0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and
1: Zach Rizzuto. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining the Upper Hand Fantasy podcast. I am Faraz Siddiqui. I'm joined by Zach Rizzuto. We are going to be going over the AFC North today. We're going to go over the Steelers, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Ravens, talking fantasy implications of basically every single fantasy-relevant player in that division in all all four of those teams. We went through a ton of uh, divisions already. We have a couple more left to go. Uh, But if you haven't checked those episodes out, make sure to because – You know, If you're trying to figure out what our take is on any player, chances are we probably talked about them uh, over the past couple of episodes because we went through every single team and we're going to continue doing those division previews into next week. Uh, So make sure you listen to those episodes. But let's start with the AFC North now. Let's break down this division. We're going to start with the Bengals. Obviously, a a high-powered offense led by Joe Burrow. Uh, He's going in the fourth round on Underdog right now. Joe Burrow you know, to me, you know, is, was a great pick last year because you kind of got him at a discount, right? Like he was a pocket quarterback, but you know, he had the weapons, you know, he could take a step forward and he did that. Um, But for me personally, I'm not sure I'm targeting him. Like he's going right next to Justin Fields right now. Right. And we know who has higher upside, right? It's obviously Justin Fields. Um, And I think the floor is also similar. Now is Burrow way safer than Justin Fields? I think so. I think he is. However, I, I don't think it's, to the point where i i don't want to chase justin Fields upside with the addition of, uh, of dj Moore, you know to get, grab somebody who was propped up a little bit by a bunch of like goal line sneak touchdowns you never know that's super variable you never know if that's going to happen again um that did prop up prop him up a little bit last year uh if i could get him like in the seventh eighth round sure in a one quarterback league but like it seems like he might be going in the fifth or so in 12-team home yeah. leagues, I think that's a little bit too high for me to bet on somebody who simply doesn't rush the ball.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I love Joe Burrow, and don't get me wrong, but when you look at it in that context, you know, you present it, okay, he's going right next to Justin Fields. Who would you rather have? You know, you can set your target targeting Joe Burrow. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with taking him as your quarterback one. You know, he's going to be perfectly fine. He has sure. the floor that is like, He has probably one of the safest floors outside of Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's like a really safe floor quarterback. And he has the upside. He's not going to hit that every week. Where Justin Fields, he can hit that almost every week if he's running the ball the way that we saw him run it last year. So I hear what you're saying with Joe Burrow. But like Joe Burrow, there's not a whole lot of analysis to do. We know who he is. We've seen him, you know, produce the way he's produced. He's going to be a QB1, probably low-end QB1, mid-QB1. That's kind of where his upside is going to max out. So like you said, you broke it down. It just comes down to that rushing ability. Um, I'm with you. I'm not avoiding him for any reason, but I'm not like going out of my way to target him unless he falls maybe a little bit. It doesn't have to be a drastic fall. You know, if he's in the fifth round, I wouldn't, if his ADP is in the fifth, I wouldn't mind taking him, you know, late sixth, seventh, early seventh. I, I wouldn't mind. But at that fifth round price, you know, there's so many other skill players that you could take in that range. I'm with you on that one. Like, there's nothing wrong with Joe Burrow. It's just he's not somebody I'm going out of my way to target.
1: Let's move to the backfield. You got Joe Mixon, Chase Brown, fifth round pick, Travion Williams, Chris Evans. I think there's a good chance we see Joe Mixon in the exact same role we saw him in last year, with additional work on passing downs. Given the fact that Samaje Pirine's is not there anymore, right? I don't think right. Chase Brown comes in as a rookie and is trusted in pass protection on third and longs like they trusted Perine. Right. So, mm-hmm. as, far, as far as Mixon's potential legal case goes, it seems like he'll be fine for 2023. Like this type of stuff, you know, gets moved past the season. Usually it kind of gets moved further. Uh, you know, these lawyers do a great job at that. And from legal experts who've taken a look at this particular case, it seems like it's most likely that Mixon is fine for this season, which means he's at a discount right now. Right, he's a three-round right. back on a great offense, and the Bengals didn't use a high pick on a running back, which means they're also not worried. And if you're telling me that Chase Brown was that guy, like, why did they wait until the fifth round? Did they just know he was going to be there? <laughs> was he were they, like, were they targeting Chase Brown? Like, he's Joe right. he Mixon's replacement in they're case they're it's going suspended?
0: Like, they're tapping their fingers, waiting for <laughs> him to slide down the board. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't if, it's because.
1: Guys. It's because they weren't worried, like regardless of whether they ended up with Chase Brown or not. Like Brown was a mediocre back in college. He had a terrible week at the senior bowl. I was there, but he did show the ability to take on a huge workload in college last year, and that's worth something. Uh, Even though he didn't stay efficient when he took on that big workload, but if anything were to happen to Mixon, like if he gets hurt or something like that this year, I'd have confidence that Chase Brown can handle a big workload and be very fantasy relevant because of the fact that he's on the Bengals and even if he's just an early down workhorse in Mixon's place which I think he's very capable of that role is going to have a lot of value so I think both things can be true at once
0: yeah no I agree with you and I think people don't really understand how big of a loss you know Samaje P Ryan is in this backfield like he did a lot for them you mentioned the passing work but um also pass blocking all that stuff everything in the receiving game he was actually a pretty good runner too. You know, and in those couple games that Joe Mixon missed last season, he actually played very well. And that's why we're kind of excited about him on the Broncos. We'll be talking about we already talked about him on the AFC West episode. But I'll tell you what, Joe Mixon, the price that he's going at right now, he's the, what is he the RB 17 on underdog? Like, yeah. I don't think you can really beat that price. You mentioned it like who are those guys behind him? Chase Brown is probably the most notable. Like you said, any of the other guys, Chris Evans has been there a while. They've used him on a little bit of passing work and you know, a little bit of rush here or there. He's been running behind both Joe Mixon and Samajai P. Ryan his whole career. I don't see him stepping up and changing that, challenging Joe Mixon. He's been there a while. Um, and Trayvon Williams, who? right? So the competition yep. that we're looking at with Joe Mixon is so minimal. Like At this point, you kind of got to lock him in. Even if he's only running the ball 15 or 16 times, this is going to be a high-scoring offense. And we saw that happen last year where he can cash in on touchdowns just based off getting down in the end zone, uh, the red zone. Via the pass, like it's going to be pass first with Joe Burrow, but Joe Mixon on this offense, he had that boom game. Remember the 55 points? Um, that might be inflating his um point total a little bit last season, but he was actually pretty consistent. And there's no reason to you know devalue him because of this case. I'm not worried about the case against him right now. Like, if you're talking about pushing something off, like I'm surprised that Alvin Kamara's has been pushed off as far as it has because I think that's a totally different case in terms of what we're looking at, you know, in terms of any type of charges. But with this information coming out about joe joe mixon i don't even know what you know this whole legal thing is about it doesn't seem like that he did anything horrifically wrong um i don't want to discount anything that might have happened i'm not perfectly clear in situation but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a problem this season so i'm with you i mean assuming that doesn't happen i mean at a mid rb2 price joe mixon is going to be perfectly fine if he doesn't even you know capitalize on your investment if he doesn't do much better than the rb17 you're still only paying his um uh, mid second, not mid second round the mid fifth round, you're only paying mid fifth round pick for Joe Mixon so you can't really go wrong, there's no risk and if he doesn't, you know, cash in you're going to be fine anyway, because at that point you have your other guys, Joe Mixon's just a swing at the upside, and I think he can reach that too
1: Yeah, my guess is that in home leagues, he's going to be a fourth round pick, right now he's going to the fifth round, an underdog and like, if you're building a zero RB team, like if you're drafting like three wide receivers in the first three rounds, Joe Mixon's the perfect pick for you uh, because yeah. you might end up with a low-end RB1 when it's all said and done. Uh, and you know he's going to have those boom weeks when he scores those goal line touchdowns, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm expecting a, a pretty good year for Joe Mixon. Um, You know, nothing necessarily better than next, last year or anything like that. But the point is that he might have a little bit of a role that he didn't have last year, which is mm-hmm. going to be tacked on to what he did have. And then on top of that, he's on a good offense. So I, I think I think people are overthinking this one a little bit. Moving on to this wide receiver core, you got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. One of the reasons why, you know, everyone's drafting Joe, Joe Burrow so high, and deservedly so. Uh, a great wide receiver trio right here. Tyler Boyd is on his last year of his deal. Um, they drafted Charlie Jones, who, you know, Purdue wide receiver, who he, he moved around a ton in college. Finally found his spot and led college football in receptions, yards, yards. <laughs> could be Tyler Boyd's replacement, right? Yeah. So if you're in Dynasty, somebody to tell to keep an eye on, it could be the heir apparent to Tyler Boyd. Uh, they also drafted Andre Yoshibas, uh who was at the Senior Bowl, kind of a freak of an athlete. A lot of people compared him to Christian Watson. However, he didn't do anything during the Senior Bowl that made you say, wow, right? Christian Watson, that was the opposite case because he was like the best wide receiver at the Senior Bowl two years ago, or a year ago, um, before he was a rookie. So, uh, a couple of notes on there, but Jamar Chase, obviously, like, you know, I have him as my wide receiver, two behind Justin Jefferson this year, Cooper Cup following him. By the way, you can find my rankings at patreon.com slash upperhand fantasy, dynasty rankings, redraft rankings, all of it is there. Draft kit coming soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase is an easy pick, right? There's no yeah. need to discuss that. T. Higgins, um, you know, had him as a low-end wide receiver one going into last year. I have him as a... uh mid to high-end wide receiver two this year. Um, I think he disappointed a little bit last year, especially in the weeks that Jamar Chase was out for, right? When Jamar Chase was yeah. out, I was expecting T Higgins to do big things, wide receiver one quality every single week. That didn't happen. Um, so, you know, you, you would hope that Higgins could take that next step, but we might get more of the same next year. Um, maybe we see a little bit of a increase in targets and production. Uh, but I think he's just like a safe high and wide receiver too, moving
0: forward. Right. And that's, that's actually the way I kind of viewed him last season too. Uh, not much has changed. We know who Joe Burrow is. I think it's going to be a very similar offensive scheme. Not a whole lot's going to change. And I think that both Jamar Chase and T Higgins are above that line where they might be affected by a guy like Charlie Jones coming up and maybe making some waves. You know, they're, they're not going to be affected to the point where their value changes because of the guys underneath them. So I'm not worried about T Higgins at all in that sense. But I don't think we should get him confused as, you know, this wide receiver one player right now, unless something changes. You know, he does get the targets, but Jamar Chase is going to be the guy in the, in the receiving game ahead of him every single time that he plays. You're right, he did disappoint last season Um, in Jamar Chase's stead. He had a bunch of just low finishes, you know, low wide receiver two, high wide receiver three finishes. He went on a streak um, between week six and nine of last season where he didn't finish higher than wide receiver 22. Like, he had a couple boom weeks. You know, he finished as a wide receiver wide receiver four in um, week 11, wide receiver four again in week 16. But outside of that, you know, he wasn't consistent enough, to, or at least to the point that Jamar Chase is going to be to call him a wide receiver one. So I think wide receiver two, high wide receiver two makes sense because it is a good offense. We'll give him that. We're not going to bang on T Higgins that bad, but I will say that we shouldn't get him confused as a wide receiver one. So I think his price kind of hanging out down there, um, the low second round might be a little high for me, but that that's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not targeting him there personally. Um, what about Irv Smith? You know, coming over from the Vikings, yeah. dynasty favorite, right? He's been a dynasty <laughs> darling forever, never produced in his career, uh, still relatively young, but, you know, 10 and 17 in the 13th round, now attached to Joe Burrow, they have nobody behind him, behind Irv yeah. Smith. You, you kind of had to think that Irv Smith might get a chance to run, uh, you know, at a big route participation, I think that's what it comes down to because he hasn't in his career really had the opportunity to get that 75% rap participation that we're looking for. Is Mm -hmm. Irvin Smith on your radar at all as a late round tight end?
0: Uh, He's on my radar. He's just a dart throw. I mean, the situation, it seems like the stars are aligning, you know, he's now tied to Joe Burrow. Like you mentioned, he's on a good passing offense. You know, there's nobody really around him. He always had to compete with Kyle Rudolph and all these other guys and, you know, with, the Vikings, even I think Tyler Conklin was getting work ahead of him back in his Vikings days. So we, we haven't really had the situation yet with Irv Smith in his career. So I don't want to just say that, yeah, Joe Burrow plus presumably running more routes equals, you know, fantasy success. But tight end 17, I I'd take a dart throw on him, especially with the way the tight end landscape is, you know, there's upside there because if he's running those routes, we saw Hayden Hurst was kind of relevant you know, last season when he was on the Bengals. And he's not anywhere near, I think, the talent that Irv Smith is. Smith just hasn't stayed healthy. If he can stay healthy, do his thing, run those routes, and just get a couple touchdowns even this season. You know, we could have some weeks where he's finishing inside the top five, six tight ends, but that's a very optimistic view. We haven't seen him produce, you know, in his career. We don't want to project that for somebody who hasn't done that just yet. That's why I'm calling him a dart throw. I have no problem with him at tight end 17 it might be a little high but I think the fantasy community is kind of on to him that he might be a value I think it would be a little bit lower if there was somebody else in that tight end room but because there's nobody else I think that people are kind of valuing him a little bit higher and that's perfectly warranted I'm, I'm cool with that so wide receiver not wide receiver tight end 17 I'm cool with Irv Smith he's on my radar dart throw I'm not taking him as like my last minute tight end and just thinking I'm going to be all right with him. I wouldn't rely on him for the entire season, have some other plan in place, but there's nothing wrong with taking a swing on him as a tight end to potential tight end. One, if things shake out the way that there's, that they, that
1: they can 13th round, 25 years old, well, not 25 yet. So there is a chance that he could work out eventually Um, moving on to the Steelers. Kenny Pickett quarterback, second year, are you expecting anything from Kenny Pickett this year? Are you expecting Kenny Pickett to at least take a step forward, maybe take this offense to from shitty to maybe <laughs> mediocre or
0: a little bit better than mediocre? I think it can get to average. And that doesn't say a whole lot about Kenny Pickett, in my opinion. For me, with Kenny Pickett, I think that he can achieve Derek Carr status this season. I don't know what his ceiling is. You know, I don't think Kenny Pickett's a fantastic prospect – He's good, but I think on this offense, I think he can max out as like a Derek Carr type quarterback in year two, which means that is to say he can support other fantasy relevant players where last season, he wasn't really doing that. Obviously De- Deontay Johnson there having him there helps Kenny Pickett, but um, I- I'm kind of looking at him. Just I would rely on Kenny Pickett as maybe my QB two and he'd be a late QB two for me if I'm taking him because I don't think he's, a difference-making quarterback just yet if he's going to be one. Um, his upside isn't that high. I think you're looking at you know, 22, 23 points being his weekly upside every week just because of the way this offense is going to run. They still have Najee Harris in backfield. Jalen Warren's coming on. It's going to be more of a balanced attack. They still don't want to put too much on Kenny Pickett. So I think if he can be efficient, we're looking at a solid QB2, I think, this season. His upside isn't in the QB1 territory just because of the talent. That there is at the quarterback position, but there's nothing wrong with Kenny Pickett. I wouldn't rely on him as my QB one, though. So I think QB two ideally would be where I'd aim to target him to fill in my roster.
1: I could see this offense taking a little bit of a step forward. Um, so maybe we'll, we'll see some more scoring in the back half of the year. Kenny Pickett, I think he did improve. The offensive efficiency improved as well as a whole. Right. But going to this backfield, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. I think there's a pretty good chance that Najee Harris and Jalen Warren are splitting work this year. I think Warren is going to be the primary passing down guy with Harris being the primary early down guy. And that's okay for Harris because, you know, he'll still be running some routes on early downs. We'll still get some targets, but you can't expect anywhere close to the type of volume that he received his rookie year when he was playing damn near close to 100% of snaps. Right. He had 94 targets his rookie year. That ain't happening again. Right. I think. 40 to 50 catches is still in his range of outcomes. Uh, he's an RB2 for me this year. I don't see him getting to that RB1 level, you know, without the involvement in the past game, uh, you know, as much as he's had in the past. I, I never thought he was at a, I never thought he was an amazing talent. You know, his rookie mm-hmm. year, it was all volume, not so efficient. Uh, and without this Steelers offense being an offense that's going to score a ton of points, again, I think he's going to be a volume-based RB2 going into this year.
0: Yeah, I think that makes total sense. You look at the volume that he got in his rookie year, we can figure out why that happened. Who was their quarterback? <laughs> ben Roethlisberger. So what is he going to do besides dump it off to his running back when he's in danger? You know, at that point, that's why he got all those targets. We, I think we can chalk it up safely to that. And we look at the numbers that came way down last season because Kenny Pickett, he's a rookie, not only because he's working Partially because he's not Ben Roethlisberger, so he's not going to check it down as much just by not being Big Ben. But then also he's a rookie, and sometimes they try to do too much, extend the play, look downfield more than just taking their outlet guy. That could change. He could start taking the outlet guy a little bit more, but like you just mentioned, that might be Jalen Warren now instead of Najee Harris. So I I think that Najee's going to be a really safe option again. Uh, Najee was safe. He was a safe option last season, and he did pretty much that. He scored you like 10 or 11 points every game. He had a couple boom games but he didn't really bust. So he's a high floor running back, not really high upside because of the receiving game, not being there. His, his role is kind of, kind of gone at this point, but um, I don't have any problem taking him as my RB two. You know, there might be weeks where he gets a touchdown or two. I do think the offense is going to be going to get better. And that's only going to benefit, you know, all the players in this offense. So I think Najee Harris is going to be just fine. I'm valuing him pretty much exactly the same as I was at the end of this past season. So nothing really has really changed for him.
1: He's being drafted as an RB thirteen off the board right now. I'm out at that price. Personally, he's not a high end RB two to me. He's gonna have those type he's gonna have those weeks, like you said. Yep. But at RB thirteen, I I there's way too many wide receivers, especially that I'd rather draft or, when he's being drafted.
0: Let's put it into perspective. RB fourteen is looking pretty attractive. Jameer Gibbs after Najee yeah. Harris. Yeah, I'm if you ask me right now, game. like, yo, like, come on, <laughs> we draft
1: Jameer Gibbs at RB fourteen or Najee at RB thirteen. Like, come on, come on.
0: Yeah, it's it's not And if you're already taking a running back in that range, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson is ten picks ahead of him too, like just ten picks overall on the board. So there are a bunch of better options there. Najee Harris is like, to use your expression, punting. I don't want to be punting in the third round of my draft by taking Najee Harris. You know what I'm saying? You should be shooting for these explosive playmakers. And Najee Harris is not that at this point.
1: Speaking of explosive playmakers, right? We're going to hit on J.K. Dobbins in a little bit. But let me ask you a question. We're going to hit it. We're not there yet. We're not at the Ravens yet. But who would you rather have for 2023? J.K. Dobbins
0: or Najee Harris? So you have... Kind of pulled me under your wing. I've joined the upside. I've joined just the upside question. faction. Just yeah. a question. Yep. I've joined the upside faction. I'm going with J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> all
1: right. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. All right. All right. We'll, we'll get to J.K. Dobbins in a second. Yeah, we'll I just to wanted it. to hear what you had to say. Um, absolutely. I absolutely love the fact that everyone in the fantasy community is down on Deontay Johnson. Yes. Why do I love it? because I could draft him as the wide receiver 36 off the board right now on underdog, a borderline wide receiver three. That's -hmm. where he's being drafted. He had 147 targets last year. Okay. Right. Like, (laughs) do you really think that Deontay Johnson is not going to score any touchdowns again this year? He had eight in 2021. He had zero last year. What do you think is going to happen going into next season? Like how often the guys who have that many targets score no touchdowns. It doesn't happen. Okay. Yeah. We have to recognize this past year as an extreme outlier year. And you have to expect yeah. a huge bounce back from Deontay. And you have to expect those touchdown numbers to bounce back. You remember when Cole commit had zero touchdowns in 2021 on 93 targets. Everyone yeah. was like, nah, he sucks. He scores no touchdowns. And then Justin Fields throws seven touchdowns to him this past year on only 69 targets. So, this is what happens, right? I think while everyone's down on Deontay, everyone's too high on George Pickens. Yeah. Deontay averaged 8.6 targets a game last year. That was 15th among all wide receivers. Pickens averaged 4.9. Okay. He was a rookie. What about the back half of the year when, you know, rookies usually, you know, take a little bit of a step forward, right? Yep. 4.6 targets per game. That was less than his season average. Deontay, 7.9 targets per game. So let's not get it twisted. Deontay Johnson is the alpha in Pittsburgh. It's going to remain that way this season. Follow follow the targets, not the touchdowns. Okay, the Steelers, I think the Steelers' offense, like we mentioned, should take a bit of a step forward this year. The offensive line improved. You're getting an alpha wide receiver, one of the best separators in the NFL at a ridiculous discount.
0: Yeah. So last year at this time, you were saying the exact same thing. You know, I'm, and I disagreed last season and it's funny because I, your point was made by the fact that he got 140 some targets, but my point was made by him scoring no touchdowns. And that was because I said, Kenny Pickett wasn't gonna be good enough. But now I think Kenny Pickett's going to be better this season. You know, I don't think he's just going to stagnate in his second year. I think he's gonna be perfectly fine. Um, So to say Deontay Johnson's going at wide receiver 36, so like that is a value. I will give you that 100% because you look at his past three years, you know, you look at the game logs since his rookie, the three years before his rookie year in 2019, he has like 20, 30 games over 10 targets apiece. Like he is a target earner. We've we've known this. The only reason I was leery last year on Deontay Johnson was because the offense wasn't going to be good. But now I think it has a chance to be a lot better because Kenny Pickett's there. It's going to be his second year. He'll be able to dial in a little bit more. And like you said, I mean, I think touchdown regression is going to hit Deontay Johnson like a truck. Because zero touchdowns. Like, that's one of the crazy stats that I don't think a lot of people remember. Just because they look at Deontay Johnson, like, oh, well, he finished as a wide receiver 30 last year, so he's not any good anymore. You know, he's not gonna be able to do anything. Like, no, people kind of gloss over that. If you look at the underlying metrics, and we're big on, you know, on that target share, target distribution, like Deontay Johnson has that. So I guarantee, and I'm gonna make my guarantee right here. The, the Zach stamp of approval is on this one. He is going to finish higher than the wide receiver 36. I'd argue he's going to finish inside the top 25 this season, Deontay Johnson. And that's pretty easily, ease. I would say. That's with yeah, ease. I, yeah. With ease.
1: I, I, I totally agree. So this is a – you're getting him at a several-round discount right now. You mentioned the 10-plus targets, right? That, that is yeah. what you – I think you mentioned that he had a ridiculous Correct. amount of 10-plus targets. Since 2020, guess who had the most – 10-plus target games since 2020. I'm
0: going to go ahead and say Deontay Johnson. Yes.
1: Deontay (laughs) Johnson was first, followed by Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill. Okay? Yeah. Let's not get it twisted.
0: I'm on the Deontay Johnson train this season. Last season I I wasn't. This season I am.
1: Well, listen, I – you made the right call last year, but he's way cheaper this year than he was last year. Yeah, no, he's he was way still, cheaper. I think last year he was still being drafted as a as a wide receiver too, and I thought that yeah. was a I thought that was a discount. That was a screaming value. Yeah, he scored no <laughs> touchdowns, and you know it didn't well, work out. Like but,
0: I said, it wasn't like you were completely proven wrong because he still got that target share that you were calling for the whole offseason. So it's like you weren't wrong either. Just best of both worlds. It,
1: did, <laughs> it didn't work out, but I think it's gonna work out this year. Now, yeah, Pat, Pat Fryermoth. He's also shaping into one of my favorite tight end picks this year. He, I think, he's one of the safest tight end picks. Like, if you want to save tight end at a great price, I think Pat Frymuth is the pick. Tight end ten yeah. off the board, the nine ten turn, like that's perfect for me. He's already proved himself as one of the better tight ends in the league, and then he's going into the thir- into like that third year that we all love for tight ends. He had a great rookie year. He then improved last year in a sophomore year. So like, I feel like Pat Frymuth, pretty good pick going into yeah. this year. I think he's like that that like perfect like if you got to put a pin like where the perfect spot is for picking up a tight end I think it's I think it's him
0: yeah and with his upside I mean there's gonna be continuity now at quarterback he's going second year with Pickett. for the first year you know he was with Roethlisberger second year now he's with Pickett. I think that he has the opportunity to cash in like if he produces the same way as he did last season uh, tight end 10 is not a bad price if he does better than he did last season tight end 10 is a great price you know what I mean there's not really a situation where Tight end 10 is a bad price unless he just misses like eight games. And that's not going to be for any reason outside of injury. So I think that, like you said, like not only is he a great value pick, he's also a safe pick. He's everything that you need. If like, this is the ideal punt. If you don't want to take a tight end early, you know, yeah, you're
1: not exactly. It's
0: Yeah. It's just your safety valve. That's what he's going to be for you. If he's there on the board, he's going later than he probably should. I'm with you on this one. I had a Dalton Kincaid right behind him. The difference in security between one spot, tight end spot, you know, tight end 10 to tight end eleven is humongous. So I think would you draw the line there? Do you think at Pat Friermuth where you're like yeah, pretty confident in your tight end? Yeah,
1: exactly. But right. you're drafting him as a tight end twelve. Like he's he's gonna finish as a tight end six or seven. Yeah. You know, it's yep. pretty much in stone. He averaged <laughs> dude. <laughs> Um, it's funny, like I'm looking at the target numbers. He he had 14 more targets than George Pickens last year in one last game.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: that tells you what you so, need to know. Yep. About both these guys.
0: Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.